and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Preview Podcast. After a lovely end to 2021 for Sunland, we found 2022 a little bit troublesome and we've hit a bit of a sticky patch that has seen us not win one game this year, although there has been two draws. However, Saturday presents a perfect opportunity for us to kickstart the automatic promotion push as we welcome familiar foes, Portsmouth, to the Stadium of Light. And as always, as you know, there's only one Pompey fan that's allowed on this podcast, so please, as always, welcome Hugh from the excellent PO4 podcast to the show. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Graham. Cheers for having me back on the show. Always great to talk to you about football. Always good fun, mate, isn't it? You're the only one that's allowed on the rest of all band. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're a nice bunch, really. Freddie Despite came on last just... time, <laughs> and we all know what the score was, mate, so I'm leaving it. There <laughs> we go. He's never there we go. Back. <laughs> My um... negativity actually came true, didn't it? I think a lot of Sunderland fans I saw in the in the comments were going, oh, no, no, a lot of people come on and give it the big in for their club, and I came on and gave a quite a, sort of, a realistic point of view, really, and... People thought I was going to curse it in. Well, I mean, obviously, last time we spoke, I think, I think, could be wrong. We were top of the league, or at least second. An excellent form. Pompey were having a fairly horrendous time of it, um, potentially still are. But like football does sometimes, the rain comes down and it really did that day. Um, Portsmouth battered us 4-0. We spoke obviously off air afterwards, sort of, sort of during the match, really, because it was 3-0 after like half an hour, if I remember rightly. Um, and there was an air of, well, maybe that's the result that's going to kickstart to Pompey's season. We kind of thought, well, the weather's the weather. We can put it at one side is what it is. But the overriding feeling from a Portsman side was that, is this the start of the Cowley era? Has that result been a, a turning point or was it a flash in the pan? Well, I suppose, firstly, my, my negativity definitely did not cause the rain to come down. So I'm still <laughs> not, I think that curse is definitely not the reason why. <laughs> Um, did it kickstart the season? No, is the answer to that. That was very much um, a bit more of a flash in the pan thing, a one-off event. You had things like Marquis scoring a goal after I, after I slammed him. And the reason really was is because his first touch is so terrible. Um, but when, when it comes down and sort of lands in a puddle for you and you kick it forward or something like that, it sort of suited that dreadful touch that he had. At the end of the day, I think you guys looked like you wanted the game called off, didn't you? But moving on from that game, because none of your listeners want to hear about that. We, yeah, we didn't do that well. You pushed on afterwards and you thought, okay, maybe we can kickstart the season. But then I had a 4 0 loss ourselves to Ipswich at home. Things really dragged and it wasn't looking very good. Danny Cowley's changed that system properly to play the, the 3 4 1 2 uh, formation that we're playing now. We look very defensively solid. I think we've only lost one game since October. However, it's scoring goals that we're having right you know, massive problems at the moment. And that's one of the reasons why we've completely changed our, our strikers in January already. I think, um, it's, I'm, by the way, I'm totally gutted that I called it a, a flash in the pan when it could have been called a splash in the pan after the weather. But there you go. These things come to me afterwards. My genius is not always at the You don't the, want to re-record right it, do you, Graham, for that reason and try and go back and, and insert that? I could edit it. If you're listening and I've, I've edited this right, just ignore this bit. Um I think, you know, you talked about that game, but, but you mentioned something straight away that I wanted to come on to the, the big, well, not the big talking point, but one of the talking points with Pompey at the minute is obviously man who scored in that game. I think we discussed at length a couple of times about John Marquis, obviously a player that I think Sunderland were after around the time we, we got Will Grigg. He went to Portsmouth six months later. Big signing, I think a million, million and a half. Obviously, I think people thought he was going to turn out well and, and gradually you sort of seen with Pompey, it wasn't. He's moved to Lincoln this week. I hear it was close to a free transfer. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but how do you sum up Marcus's, well, let's call it an ill-fated spell at the club? It's a bit of an expensive mistake, really, isn't it? And we all have mm. those as clubs going forwards. 
you just got to learn from those and try and get your, your transfer business right. And I think Pompey fans really trust Danny Cowley with his recruitment. It's been superb so far this season. Players bringing in players like Joe Morrell, who's been excellent in the centre, and Gavin Bazunu in gold, to name two now. I'm sure we'll go into this a little bit more detail later on. Yeah, John Marquez, it didn't work out. I think Danny Cowley even said, no matter what they did on the field, no matter what they did on the training, when the fans have decided as well, made their mind up on him, he had to go. I think for his own sanity as well as the fan sanity all involved. I'm sure he's a top bloke, but at the same time, he's doing little things like cupping the fat, cupping his ears, approaching the fat frat, and then when he was scoring a goal, and that's never great to your own fans at your homestand. Um, yeah, he, it wasn't just the fact that he wasn't scoring. He wasn't scoring goals. He was missing sitters, but it was the fact the link-up play was so terrible. He wasn't making the right runs into the channel. The ball never stuck up front for him. It just did not work. And even with the Cowleys tried really hard, maybe he'll go and start scoring some goals at Lincoln. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. That'd be a very pompy thing to happen. I'm sure Sunderland fans feel the same when they lose a player as well. But yeah, wish him all the best. Very happy we managed to offload him, Ellis Harrison as well, and Paul Downing so far already in the window. Seen with with Marquis that it was rumoured it was a free transfer. Did I read that right? I don't know if it's a free. We we got a fee. What that fee is, I don't know. It's been a bit odd actually. I believe he only signed till the end of the season there, and his contract's up in the summer. So if that's the case, it's a little bit confusing why they would do that. So I would assume the fee is fairly nominal because his wages were quite high as well. So by getting him off the books, one of our highest earners, you've opened up some space in the squad. But yeah, I think it's a nominal fee. I don't think it's anything to get excited about. Uh, if it was six figures, I think I'd be quite happy. You mentioned before about the uh, the lack of goals. I think I could be wrong with my maths here, but I'm pretty sure you're, you're fourth or fifth lowest scorers in the league despite being ninth. I think it's 29 goals, which is... It's actually quite frighteningly low, um, to be completely honest. I didn't realise it was that far down. I think people will probably point at the forward line in terms of Marquis, um, the fact he didn't score. You're touching um, Harrison there before as well, which is another move that really didn't work after after he came from, from Ipswich. Is it solely down to the forward line or is there more of a problem elsewhere, like with creativity? Yeah, it's a bit of both, really. And you can see how the formation's been changing and how we've been trying to click to get more goals and make it work. But when we played against MK Dons recently, we created quite a lot of chances, actually. I mean, our expected goals is way above theirs, etc. We had a lot of chances. I think if you get a good striker in, suddenly we start scoring some of those chances. Now, I think actually we scored 23 out of 23 or something like that. So it's quite level on the ratio of goals. But it's not just about that. It's about the forward line making the runs to get into positions where they're going to be able to score. And the sort of the lack of movement up front, the lack of a burst of pace to beat somebody, the lack of being able to score a goal in the air from a cross. It means that the strikers haven't really got into positions to score goals. At the same time, another thing that's not really helping them out is that our crossing has been so bad, like so woeful, that you could argue that balls coming into the box are so bad that the strikers don't have a chance to actually score. Even from set plays and corners, we're not really beating the first man at the moment. And my manager, when I was at under 10s, turned around to me, took me aside and said, look, look, Hugh, if you can't beat the first man in mini league football, wherever it was, you're not going to take any corners. So that was my dream of corners out the window. <laughs> but it's quite bad in the football league if you can't actually beat the first man or you're trying to drill it or you're going short and then recycling the ball back to your own half. So, yeah, we've got a problem at the moment. 
delivery into the box, but also making those runs to create goals from creating space. And I think last time we, we played, I think you were kind of experimenting with the, the Ronan Curtis as a, a direct forward as opposed to a, a left or right-hand side of a three or as a winger as he's more predominantly known. I'm guessing that experiment's ended because I've seen he, he came off the bench yesterday, he didn't play. Yeah, I think we're not scoring goals. So I think it's interesting because you start up front, you've got, you've got two strikers that we really have. You've got George Hurst, who's been... Okay, better than Marquis, let's say. He's got a bit of a burst of pace and he's been able to hold the ball up a bit. You know, he's got into actual situations where he could score goals. I mean, in the Pizza Trophy, he could have scored a hat trick against Exeter, but he only got one. I think maybe if he gets someone else up front helping him, that would work. Curtis started on the bench because he tried basically the new striker partnership. We got Tyler Walker in from Coventry on loans into the season. Just a little bit of background for listeners who don't know, he's 25 years old. Obviously, he played for Coventry. He got seven in 31, but most of those were from the bench. I think he's only ever had four starts for them. And before that, he played for Lincoln. And he got 14 goals in 29 games in 1920s so and nearly a goal every other game. I think he's the sort of striker we need to try and ignite this Pompey attack. Um, Ronan Curtis, I actually thought he did better originally down the middle. And if you look at the underlying numbers, he's actually, I think, one of our highest rated players. If you go and look on, I, mean, I haven't got Opta open or anything like that, but just a casual look in front of me at who scored shows him as, you know, rated as one of our highest players. He's actually good in the air um, up front and stuff, but he's lacking that bit of space. And maybe, the, you know, when he used to do the stand of Ronan Curtis goal, when he goes outside and cuts in on the right-hand side and shoots across the goal. That's not really happened now. So is it over? I don't know if Danny Cowley would change the formation potentially when he sees who's come in and who's left in Jan. Kirsten is quite an interesting one because I suppose when you're looking at like the best players that Pompey have, Curtis kind of comes to mind. But doing this show, I get a lot of people when I say, you know, which, which players do you fear? And a lot of people... Not a lot, but, you know, occasional one one in every three episodes look to say Lyndon Gooch. And I kind of feel like it's almost Lyndon Gooch is based off a, a reputation he had when we first came down here, which would have been the time when Ronan Curtis really kind of caught fire, shall we say, and occasionally he's done one or two good things. Is Ronan Curtis perhaps living more off reputation at the moment, or am I being really harsh on that? It's just not quite worked for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not from a lack of effort and it's definitely not from a lack of drive or even really ability. He does lack a, a real sort of burst of pace that would allow him, in my, in my opinion, to have that tool to be a good championship player. I think without that back burst of pace, sometimes he can struggle and be a little bit one-dimensional. If you're looking for a player who people should find dangerous in that sort of role. And, you know, listeners will be aware who've seen his play of the years. It's Marcus Harness, who he's really lit it up this season, playing in the number 10 role behind the two strikers. Nine goals in the league, 10 games in all competitions. is very good for a central attacking midfielder. I think four or five of those have been game-winning goals as well. At the death, he can score with both feet. He can dribble. He can, he can knock it into the box. He can shoot outside the box. A lot of his goals have been this season as well. So he's the player who's the danger man. If you look at those attacking midfielders, you know, wingers, strikers, and what you know, what you're going to say, Marcus Harness is really from the lack of goals. We talked about how many goals have Pompey scored this season. Nine of them, in the league, have come just from Marcus Harness. I think Marcus Harness is a really good player. Actually, I'm touching on players that that people will look directly as danger men, and I think Harness is is one of those players. Absolutely, and he's he's probably had his best season in a blue shirt, hasn't he, this year? From what I can see. 
He has. He actually struggled in the game last night against Wimbledon that I was at. He really struggled. Like, it's quite funny because I spoke to some Wimbledon fans before the game on their sort of Wimbledon television stuff for the club. And I actually highlighted him as a player for them to watch out. And then he absolutely sunk and, you know, put in one of his worst performances of the season. So maybe me highlighting him now is not really helping our cause again. If we're going to go down that cursing route, or maybe it's going to rain again. And after I've uh, I've put the negativity out and we'll be okay. But yeah, Harness is an exceptional player. He's 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 had a lot of interest already from the championship. Let's see if we can keep him and re-sign him. His contract is up in the summer, although Pompey do hold an option for another year if you want to re-up him. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I think even when he was at Burton, he sort of stood out. He's obviously changed position. But one player that that Sunderland fans might be a little bit nervous about, I certainly am, uh, is the signing of Tyler Walker. Obviously, last time he was in this division, he's got a really good record against us. He scored... Two for Lincoln and Jack Ross's last game, for those who don't remember. And of course, we won the return game under um, Phil Parkinson, which was 3-1, but he got the other goal. Always looked tidy. I think a couple of summers ago, it was someone that Sunderland fans wouldn't have been against signing. Obviously, he went to Coventry, who I think went up last season. I think that's the, the time he joined them. If Portsmouth has struggled for goals this season, how confident are you that Tyler Walker is the answer to solve that issue and, and get the potential playoff push back on back on hand? Because you're only ninth, you're not you're totally not out of it. I think he's the right player. I think Danny Cowley obviously knows him as well because he got him at Lincoln. So there's yeah. a link there. He knows the player, the manager, you know, the player knows him as well. Joe Morell was actually there as well at the same time. So they know each other quite well, which is nice when your your best centre midfielder knows your striking partner. Oh, not partly a striker. How confident am I? It's difficult to say. He played. He played yesterday. But he only signed the day before, and he hadn't trained with the team. And he played ninety minutes. So he looked. You know, he looked. He looked all right. He did some good things. I saw on the pitch. But it's pretty hard to judge how good he's going to be in this team off starting ninety minutes when he's only started four times at cover or whatever, and hasn't even trained with these players. I'm confident though. Looking at his goal record. I really trust Danny Danny Cowley's uh, talent, you know, um, evaluation. So I do think he's going to be a good player for us. And I think in the system we play, if he can get good enough service and if Pompey can maybe go out and sign another left-sided wing-back, for instance, we'll come <laughs> on to that. Someone decent though, Graham, right? Can, before, everyone can, through, before everyone gets excited talking about a potential rumour. You can have him, it's fine. Yeah, I don't know about that. I was, I was sort of hoping we might, we might get someone else. We'll come on to that, but yeah... Uh, I think he's got the ability to score lots of goals for us. And if he does, we're, you know, we're a really solid defensive side. And I think if we've got a striker, we, we you know, we could get a playoff place. And touching on, obviously, Tyler Walker as well. I've I seen the quotes from him. I kind of totally forgot, to be honest, as I was saying that, that he would have been the one that signed him at Lincoln. But he's been someone he's watched since, I think, since the under-18s when he was at Forest. Obviously, Des Walker's son, um, which makes me feel bloody old. Um, but nonetheless... Does that give you a bit more confidence knowing that Cowley's bringing in players that he knows? I think sometimes you look at certain clubs who have a, a scattergun approach or they're bringing a player in that think might do a good job. He's bringing in someone that he's, he's watched for a long time, probably knows the personality of as well. That that That's surely got to fill you with a bit more confidence as well. Yeah, it does massively. And also you look at players like Joe Morrell who turned down a lot more money to go to Ipswich because he wanted to play with Danny Cowley. He says at this stage of his career, it was about developing him as a player. Obviously, he plays in the centre midfield for, for for Wales. He's playing against players like Kevin De Bruyne. He's not going to get that if he's in, in a massive squad at Ipswich and they end up sort of rotating him in and out or or whatever. He wants a manager who's going to really develop him. 
and you see what Danny and, and Nick did as well when they're at Huddersfield and you know the feedback they've got there's lots of stuff on the athletic from you know about Willock and those sort of players who came down and said how great he was for developing young players then we talk about his you know uh, signing new players as well Gavin Bazuna who's been absolutely outstanding for us in goal on loan from Man City obviously in goal for for Ireland as well so yeah I'm, I'm I think that these players can settle in quickly and that's what you really need when you sign someone in January. You need a player who can come in, the manager knows what he's like, he can sort of slot him in straight away, explain what's happening on the training ground and really get him firing, especially for a striker. It can be quite hard coming in in January, can't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, super difficult. I mean, you've only got to go back a couple of years to a certain Will Greg who I often wonder if when he rounded the goalkeeper against Blackpool and actually put it in the bottom corner as opposed to the side net and they missed an open goal. Um, could things have been different? Probably not, but you never know. Um, one thing I was actually reading about Tyler Walker's performance yesterday, because like I said before, there'll be people who remember he's, he looked pretty nippy against us. He scored three against us already. But it seems like one man I played last night came out with a, a much bigger positive. You brought in a young player from Blackburn Rovers, Hayden Carter. Um, one of the match display they say last night against Wimbledon. How exciting was he based on that performance? Yeah, really exciting. He's, he's come in just before as well. If you look, he's man of match performance. What I liked about him as well is we've really struggled in the back three, which mm-hmm. we play, have a right-sided centre-back. Kieran Freeman, who's really a, you know, a right-wing-back, right-back, obviously played for Sheffield United, if people have watched him up through the leagues, has really struggled there. He, he's done a job, but in the last few games in particular, he, he's really looking like I'm a, I'm a right-back, right-wing-back playing in the middle. So we bring in we bring in Hayden Carter. I mean, just a few stats here. I don't want to bore everyone, but six aerial duels, one, six clearances, three interceptions, two uh, key shots blocked, and one key pass forward as well. That's pretty impressive for a right side of centre back. But it was what I liked about him was his composure on the ball. Didn't panic. Nice. Even Cruyff turned one of their one of their players, then just passed the ball right or left and switched it. He's tall. He's got a bit of pace about him as well. And that relieves us with four really decent centre-backs, really. with You look at how Raggett's really played exceptionally well this season. Conor Ogilvy filling in on, on the left side, or Clark Robertson as well, who, you know, the team captain. And now you add Hayden Carter to that, who's actually right-footed, which is what we needed, because the others are all left-footed. So, yeah, that's where we are now. And I think he's going to be a really big, important player for us. Notice you're still playing the, the three at the back. And obviously, Sean Raggett last year against Sunderland in particular was horrendous in that second game. And I think I spoke to a few Pompey fans on, I think it was Portsmouth News that did some sort of stream. Remember when we were all locked in the house and couldn't go at the game? I don't know if anyone recalls it. It was around that time. Um, and Raggett, obviously, they said he was making mistakes like that all the time. But you touched on the, the, the last game that we played. You said if there's been a positive, it's probably been the performances of Sean Raggett. And he's been really good. And obviously, we touched on the harness as well. How much is. Um, Cowley improved Raggett in the past sort of well it's not been quite a year but just under I think absolutely hugely obviously he was at Lincoln as well so he already knew him from his time ah. at Lincoln and what he said to, what he said to him now is this you're in the centre okay you he underpins the middle if you've got a target man striker he's there his aerial jewels are up I think he's one of the top three in the league of winning headers his tacklings you know pretty decent as well and when you've got two very mobile sort of centre-backs either side of him who could help do that covering, who can who can run out wide, then then it allows Raggett just to stay in the middle and do what he does best. He's always at fault, really, when he's being dragged wide by sort of a quick player who's going to beat him on the turn or cause him to make a mistake by sort of passing it out wrong. But now he's just told to do his job, stay in the middle, 
Make sure you underpin that. Stop the target, man. No balls, flick-ons, all that kind of stuff. And everyone else, let them mop up around him. A little bit, and I'll show my age here, Graham, but going back, you had the, the Terry and Carvalho uh, combination for Chelsea. And Terry was there in the air dominating that kind of thing. And Carvalho sort of mopped up all around him and did those little bits. And that's really what's happening at the moment with, with Sean Raggett, and he's excelling in that, in that role. Talking about the, the team in general, I think we've touched on two signings already and players that have been improved. So I think, in essence, people might look at Pompey as a team that's stuck in ninth and it's all got another league one season. I think, in reality... Maybe I'm not given the same uh, patience to Lee Johnson, some might say, but that's a different conversation entirely. I think potentially Pompey fans have gone, you know what, we need to give Cowley time because the way that the club's been probably ran and all sorts of different situations with Pompey, you probably got at that point where you're like, let's just stick with it and see what goes. And you've seen enough positive signs throughout his first sort of 10 month in charge where you feel that way. So he's building a team and he's obviously adding players to the squad throughout this month. He's added the sort of the, the ones we've mentioned already, but there's another one that's been mentioned, which kind of just happened just before we came on air, really. Denver Hume, obviously at the moment, Lee Brown is someone that is playing in the, the left wing back position. I think that's potentially where you'll be looking at him playing. If that's where he's coming in, he's not going to play part of a back four, which is definitely good news if he does sign for you. But but what did you make of the, the Denver Hume link? interesting because a few Pompey fans said after the game we needed a new left side of wing back as one of the takeaways because on the right hand side we've got Marlon Romeo on loan from Millwall who's exceptionally good very quick rapid you know he adds attack going forward he can beat players he hit the bar the other day actually from outside the box and people Pompey fans thinking if we can get that on the left hand side that's what we need now I'm not a massive fan of Denver Hume I, I think he's not got He's not a very complete player. He doesn't seem like a player to me that we need somebody who can cross the ball well into the box and provide that service we're talking about. I don't think his crossing's that great. He's not going to be expected to defend a huge amount, okay, because he, he will have to track back a bit, but he will be given creative freedom and he will be, the centre midfielders will cover the runs and track back and allow him to, to get forwards. Sunderland fans seem to be very happy to drive him down to Fratton Park. I think there's going to be a lottery of people who take a raffle ticket to be the person who does it and selfies him, if that's the case. And that's never a good sign if you're looking to sign a player and everyone wants to get rid of the man. He's also quite injury prone, isn't he? We've had a few yeah. players that are quite, you know, got a lot of injuries. We don't need that. We've not got a big squad. I think really we need to get someone in. But at the same time, if Danny Cowley decides he there's a player there that he can work with, and he thinks he can turn him round from the absolutely shocking management of Lee Johnson, then, you know, I'll back him for it. <laughs> I think, I think for me, I, controversial with Sunderland fans here, I think that move could work out for both because I think the best football that Denver played was probably under Parkinson when we played with the three at the back. Um, I'm going to hazard a guess that Cowley plays slightly better football than Phil Parkinson, but nonetheless, it was the same formation. Um and I think the, the main problem with Denver is, is injury proneness. I think what really blotted his copybook, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me here, was that he's been very injury prone, got two injuries long-term last season. And then in the summer, he's out of contract. And we offered him a contract and it took him until September to sign it. And we offered him it in May, June, um, literally after the, the Lincoln playoff game. I think he got told that, you know, we, we want to... We want it was him or nine, McGeady and White. We wanted to stay on board. Three of them stayed. White obviously went. Um, 
And I think the fact that I dragged on, there was rumours that he was trying to get a club in the championship and, and that never benefits a and never benefits a player, if we're completely honest, if it appears that you might not want to be at the club, despite the fact that we don't know any of the facts. That, that's how a lot of fans will take, and you can understand why. But I think Denver's time at Sunderland has probably gone on too long. I think Dennis Serkin's a far better left-back, especially in the formation that we play. He's got far more potential. Denver Hume's not going on 23-24 now, I think. I, I think he actually might do all right for Portsmouth. If there's any Portsmouth fans listening, I think in the formation you play, if he doesn't have to do too much defending, um, just don't re-watch the Arsenal Colin Cup game because he gets nutmegged twice by Pepe. I know Pepe costs 77 million, you're not going to be coming up against that very often. However, I think it's an interesting one. I'm, I, I, might, I think the thing is, though, in this situation, is probably do try and play out wide. So when you look how we play generally, we play sort of wide triangles to get the ball moving. We don't, a bit like, not like a Phil Parkinson three at the back if fans are thinking it's like that. It's very much uh, we start at the back with Gavin Bazuna, who will come out and play like another defender. He's very adapted with the ball at his feet and he'll start the passing going from there. That allows the centre backs to split and push a bit further up and push wide. And then the wing backs are supposed to get forward then on the overlap. They're expected to get around them to try and attack, to get balls into the box, to provide width, to make runs past players. And you did put on that with Lee Brown, maybe not being the sort of attacking wing back that you need. And we've got a little bit of imbalance here because Lee Brown's more of a left back, although he's done okay, to be honest. And his crossing's actually been better in some ways than everyone else. So you put a corner in the box the other day, that was, that was very good. So Lee Brown's done okay, but also we need a younger player to go behind him. Now we've got another player called Rico, um, Rico Hackett. He's really a winger, attacking sort of winger, but Cowley's converted him to become a wing back. It sort of works out sometimes when it's working and when Pompey are on the front foot. And when Pompey play best is when they're pressing. We actually have the best pressing stats by PPPDA in the league. So when we're actually working, we're pressing forward. And that works when you've got an attacking winger playing there. But we don't really have what I'm going to call a natural wing back on the side. So is that where, do you think that's Denver Hume's position? Is he a natural wing back? I genuinely do, actually. Yeah, I think I think he's, he's still raw, which is probably quite annoying considering his age. Um but I think the best football Denver Hume played was when Parkinson was here, when we played predominantly with the, the sort of 5-3-5-2, five, five, if you prefer, in the wing-back. Suspect defensively. Um, very suspect defensively, if I'm honest. But actually not too bad at getting forward and can ghost inside quite well, a little bit weak. But I honestly think, controversial opinion, there's probably a player in there that just needs a, a fresh start and be played in his proper position. Lee Brown, to me, has always looked like a functional left-back. And, and no more. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But he's actually been all right this season. He's got three goals. And so he has chipped in a bit. And he's actually done a lot better than I thought there. And, you know, we need someone younger, though, to be underneath him. Um, that doesn't sound great, but you know what I mean? Underneath him in the pecking order. <laughs> <laughs> a classic, not ed- I'm not classic. editing that. I'm not editing no? that. I'm keeping it That's in. That's fine. You keep that. You keep that in there. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, I think we could do with another left back. Whether that is if Denver Hume or not, as I said, I'm I'm a bit skeptical. But feeling a bit better after this conversation, Graham. Not that I'm going to feed that back anywhere important. Let's be honest. Don't know anyone important enough. But at the same time, as I said, I trust Danny Cowley's opinion on him. If he rates him, bring him in. We'll see how he does. I think it will be a controversial opinion for some fans listening who think he's rubbish, but I think in a left wing back position, he'll do all right. But I do think 
we should take the money and run because he's never going to work at something in the formation that we currently play. In terms of your current form, um, it doesn't really have great reading, to be honest. You seem quite positive, but nonetheless, I think it's one win in the last five league games, no away win since 27th of November. Sandwiched in between that, you've had two 0 nil draws against teams who've ended up with 10 men. Um, but you've been really positive about Danny Cowley and, and I can feel it. What are fans' current feelings on, on the club and, and where they're going under them? Look, this is not a this is not a quick turnaround this season. This is not a season that you know I predicted us to come to come eighth. Um I think this is a project where we got rid of 15 players in the summer and we had to get a whole load of new players in. And Danny Cowley's still trying to get rid of the deadwood that Kenny Jackett signed on huge amounts of money who weren't even playing in the team so he could bring his own players in. So I said give him three transfer windows before we start judging what's going on. And I think a lot of Pompey fans have seen the improvement generally, apart from a couple of real ball draws recently, the improvement on the pitch in the, in the entertainment value, but also really just that we're building something here. And there's a feeling we're building something after this, you know, wanting the manager out and years and years of the, of the, the board backing him when it was obvious you needed to get rid of him. Suddenly we're actually doing something, you know, good now. And also I don't know what Lee Johnson's like, but you know, Danny Cowley's communication with the fans is excellent. His analysis is excellent. And I think, yes, the results haven't been amazing as you said, but I think there's only one loss in, in 10 or something like that. So, it's not that we're looking awful. We're not looking superb cruising the league, but we did go on a run where it's enabled us to move up from the bottom half of the table into the playoff contention. And I think if we're in contention for the playoffs coming into the season, you know, Pompey fans are generally going to be quite happy as long as the board back him in the summer. You're only five points off the playoffs. Is that right? I didn't look at the updated table since yesterday, so I don't know. <laughs> I checked Google beforehand. Now. I checked. I'm pretty sure you're five points off Plymouth, which is, you've got to look at that and, and say, that's catchable, haven't you, with a good January? It absolutely is. And as I said, we're getting rid of a lot of players, bringing a lot of players in. I feel positive about it, but it doesn't matter. This this league, this season has been very tough, isn't it? There's a lot of good teams in it. I think better than any other league one season I've seen. I think the other time, maybe going back to the, the season where you lost to Cholton in, in the playoff final, won't dwell on that, but... I think generally this is probably the toughest season, I think, team-wise in, in League One that I've seen for a long time. So, yeah, no, we're not, we're definitely not out of it. We've got the ability because we're so defensively solid at this moment in time. If we push on and the strikers start scoring, we're actually going to be a force and a team people don't really want to play against. And I am saying this positively, positively because we looked rubbish really yesterday for a lot, a lot of the game in the sense that it was very boring to watch. Probably should have taken chances at MK. Cambridge, he said about the player being sent off. But there was unfortunately a player, sorry, a fan in the crowd who had a heart problem. So they had to stop the game for 23 minutes. And that meant that when we came back out again, every all their players were kind of rested up. And they basically didn't have that 10 men feel originally. It was all right, defend for 20 more minutes and we'll we can see the game out. So yeah, it's a bit difficult, really, but I think we're we're looking in good shape. I remember that actually, yes, I do. Um, which is a fair point, isn't it? I mean, and we've played against Tenman a few times recently and managed to concede goals. So maybe it's maybe the the uh, tens of new eleven, I would say, um, in Portsmouth and some of this case. <laughs> I mean, um, the thing is, though, Graham, is that Pompey don't really suit playing against a team of ten men who are sitting back really deep as well. We really struggle to break teams down who just sit back on us and sort of counterpunch us. We're better when we're pressing teams properly. 
giving a bit of space to attack fast. So that's why we had a bit more space against MK Dons, who will actually try and pass out and play a bit more progressively. Sort of suits our style a bit better, really. So when we're playing teams like Cambridge, it was it's been a bit of a struggle, especially against 10 men. I think that's probably one of my big worries is, is Pommy's pressing because I think we struggle with pressing because we obviously like to play out from the back with, with Doyle. Obviously, Danny Bart's come in and he looks like a big bruising centre-off. It sounds like a good signing to me, but you never know until you see him in the flesh. Hopefully, we can overcome that. But I, I think, as you said before, with Pompey's pressing stats, that is a concern for me. But regarding Pompey, it's fair to say there's been a bit of a... There's probably a reason why as well we've had the sort of mini rivalry since we've came down and, and I think you came up at the time or have been there a couple of few seasons. I think a lot of it's all to the fact that we're probably, and no offence to other clubs, one of, if not the two biggest clubs in the league in terms of history and stature. Sunderland at times this season have been absolutely brilliant. At times been a little bit brutal, if I'm completely honest. Um, but we sit third at present. Yes, I know there's games in hand, but those games in hand have to be won, Wigan, and so on and so forth. From what you've seen from afar, and obviously I know you keep an eye on it, as I do with Portsmouth, do you think this season is the season Sunderland do it, or are we playoffs again, do you think? I tipped you at the start of the season to come second, and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by that. I think you've definitely you know got the ability to do that. I think Wigan as a team always pick up points, but I, I still don't necessarily rate them for the whole rest of the season. So I think there's definitely the ability to push on there. Rotherham are annoyingly good League One team who seems to come up and down. Look, it's difficult to call. I'm going to say yes to getting promoted for Sunderland. How you do that? Are you going to do it the hard way? Or what I'm guessing what Sunderland fans would say, the Sunderland way? Potentially. But I think you should be right around the mix of the, of the you know second or third or, or one of those, really. Second rather than third. God, I couldn't be doing with the playoffs again if I'm completely honest with you. Unless I knew we were winning, which is never going to happen. At Unless you're getting us, in, getting us in the first round since we have never won a playoff game in our history. So... I think Sunderland fans would be quite happy, wouldn't they, if we squeeze into the playoffs, come sixth, and you get to play us then? I don't think any Sunderland fan feels confident in the playoffs at ever at any point. <laughs> 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 to be completely honest. Um, obviously, Pompey, you've, from what you've said, have got a lot of positives at the moment. Defensively solid, um, maybe struggling a little bit up front, but you're trying your best to address that. But which Sunderland players would concern you going into the game? Where, where are Pompey particularly weak and where's your worries looking at you like let's, let's be honest right here yeah you've got some players you've got Stuart up front he's the boring choice he's you know he's a good player um I don't know how many goals he's got I think it was I think I wrote down 18 in the league I don't know if that's right Graham 17 18 yeah 18 because he scored against um scored against Lincoln I think that was just 18 I, I like right. Dan Neil. I think he's a, he's a very good player as well and I really like Sirkin your left back and I can see why you're trying to get rid of then McHugh that way. He is literally going to be in a battle against Marlon Romeo, who I think is one of the best right backs in the league as well. Rapid, we'll take him on. We'll try and make him defend the whole game. And if you can stop us doing that, and if he's that good that he can actually press forward and just control the game, slow it down a bit, but get Sunderland up the pitch and help in that way, I think that could be a real problem for Pompey. Because if our wing backs aren't, aren't getting forward and aren't enabling our whole press to go forward then... And it sounds silly, but if you've got a left back that can sort of stop Romeo going forward there, that actually could prevent us pressing properly in numbers, which actually could, in theory, help Sunderland just retain the ball, keep playing it around it in Pompey's half until they find gaps and enable you guys to score. So, yeah, the left back, I'd say, and I never get his name right, but I'm going to say for, for Sirkin, 
Is that right? You're absolutely spot on. Yeah, fine. Spot That's on. great. So I got it. Some other stuff completely wrong on an MK Don's <laughs> podcast the other day. But yeah, Serkin, I think he's a good player, and I've, I'm actually a little bit worried that Romeo might come up against his match there, which could hamper our press. I think that's a really good point. I think there's been times when we played the five at the back when, well, three at the back that goes into a five at the back if those wing backs get pushed back. And I think that could be where the game's won or lost. Who's got the the better press on it, basically? Are you pressing our wingers? Are we pressing your wingers? Uh, well, wing, wing backs. I think a lot will centre on that. But um, I actually got my prediction right last week. I've got four right this season, which is one more than last no season. Way. Oh, wait, That's more than me. It's way more than me, it. I reckon. I'm shocked. And Sunderland fans, don't take any notice of what I'm going to say now because my, my prediction record's been really poor this season, which isn't great for someone who hosts a podcast, but... <laughs> well, I feel, I feel a win coming because, because I've been critical of Johnson. And when I'm critical of Johnson, naturally, I get egg on my face. Um, so I'm going to take Sunderland to win 2-0. Where are you going with it, Hugh? I'm going to go two on Sunderland. Yeah, I mean, when you, if you look at how we play the other day against Wimbledon, how we played all season, no wins this year yet, unconvincing, drawn and lost to Cambridge, beat Exeter in the cup, but we were the worst team. Exeter looked better than us, and Curtis came on and scored two right at the end. I don't, I don't think we'll win this game, and I know I'm going again with a with a, a fan vote. A lot of people say they won't predict you know someone the other team to win but I think you really got to be going for three points in this game and I think the likely result coming out of this is, is 2-1 uh, Marcus Harness to pick one up for us although he wasn't playing great in the last game for yourself maybe a stupid question because I don't think it would be for Sunderland based on current form but would a point be acceptable for Pompey it'd be a great result I think the fans would be really happy with a point away at Sunderland Let's be honest, our home form's actually been a lot better this season than our away form. We've gone back to that now where fans are allowed in the ground again. Because when the fans weren't there, Pompey's home form went from being the best in the league to sort of quite rubbish, actually, and winning away from home. But now the fans are back, it's all sort of gone, you know, balanced back to the back to the equilibrium, whatever the phrase is. And I think away at Sunderland, a point would be a great result. And maybe we can talk about using that as a bit of a springboard to move on for the playoff push. Yeah. Hugh, as always, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Always got to catch up and chat. I'm, I'm going to pretend we didn't have a good 10, 15 minute chat beforehand and we just literally came on and recorded immediately. That's not true. Mm-hmm.